1: every team every topic everywhere this is believed
2: the 2021 nfl draft is in the books but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag you've got the nba the nhl major league baseball and oh by the way you can still bet on plenty of football related items rookie futures NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive? It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today.
1: TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host, Paige DeMacos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast podcast chris schubert jamie eisner here with you kicking off the week it is a monday jamie just took a nice sip of the dr pepper cream soda zero sugar in the pre-show i saw his face he loves it gives it an my a first plus. attempt a Look, plus i'm, tra- I'm trying here. to
2: wake up from draft week chris as you know i think we collectively if we we took an average of the amount of hours we slept from last sunday mm-hmm. through this sunday so sure. the eight day period four maybe maybe a little less than that per Could night, been our yeah. daily average.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of hard work that went into draft week. Hope everybody enjoyed all of the draft coverage that we had uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and all throughout the week with the various Instagram lives that we did some of the live streaming we did earlier in the week. It uh, takes a, takes a whole team to put that together. So the entire team worked extremely hard last week, putting it together. But now, Jamie, we are finally here. We spent a lot of the last, I guess, month or two. We did a mock draft here on this show. We talked about your way to early rankings. We tried to come up with the ideal fits for of these players we did that last week on some of the live shows now we have these fits we know where some of these players are going and now we can discuss what these rookie team fits look like and why don't we start with the guy that went number three overall it was not mac jones it was trey lance and i think jamie you and i are going to be on a similar page here from a fantasy perspective if this pick was mac jones i would feel really good about the fantasy value of mac jones because he would probably be the week one starter now I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be the week one starter. I still think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo as kind of a bridge. And then when the time is right, when the fans maybe start to yell a little bit, because Jimmy G doesn't play particularly well, that's when the switch to Trey Lance comes in.
2: That's where I stand right now. By the way, that's where the sports books stand. They do not expect Trey Lance to be on the field for week one for the 49ers. But it's an interesting spot for him because I think you start to look at the long term. And in the case of the fantasy season, long term, like the second half of the year, where that could really be helpful for the Debo Samuels, the Brandon Ayukes, the George Kittles of the world. You start to wonder about volume a little bit with Kittle only because you knew Garoppolo and Mullins, those guys were just going to – and Bethard were just going to pepper him and pepper him and pepper him with targets. I still think that will be the case. Rookie quarterbacks tend to kind of lean on those safety net options, and George Kittle is well more than just a safety net option for that offense. But I think you can be pretty high on those three San Francisco pass catchers like you normally would. The question is going to be is when is Trey Lance fantasy relevant in single quarterback leagues? Uh, He's going to be somebody you have to draft in super flex, probably put on your bench for the start of the season. You know, you always start to kind of look, I would not be put it this way. I would put it at a 20% chance. He starts week one. I want to put it high enough where I wouldn't be shocked. Like the reality is, is you moved all this draft capital to move up to get him. You do this because if you're the Niners, you think you are in your winning window right now. Like that is why they have made the moves that they have made over the last couple of years. Last year was an injury nightmare for them. It was essentially a loss season, just given all of the high volume of high quality players that they lost to major injuries last year. If Jimmy Garoppolo struggles, whether it's in training camp, whether it's in the preseason, whether it's in October, whenever it might be, they will not be shy to make the switch. Kyle Shanahan has put his stamp on Trey Lance being the next guy. Whether they knew that when they made the initial trade, whether they came around to that point afterwards, we, we might not know for 10 years. The 30 for 30 on this will be hilarious because I do want to know, was Trey Lance the guy you moved up for? Or did you move up for Mac Jones and Trey Lance convinced you? Or did you make the bold move to move up without having a sure
1: pick? No, they liked five quarterbacks, Jamie. Kyle Shanahan liked five quarterbacks in this year's draft class. So he felt comfortable with any of those five there. Yeah, no, he didn't. So, yeah, no, he
2: didn't. So that's, if you felt comfortable with any of those five quarterbacks, you don't move up to three.
1: Right, you stay at 12.
2: Or you move up to six. Nine. Or nine, or eight, or anywhere else. If you're comfortable with all five, you don't move up to three. You move up to three because you really like the third one. So, uh, to me, that's going to be fascinating to see w- how that plays out and what other information comes out in the coming years to have that all play out there. From fantasy perspective, there, you're still really excited about the pass catching options. I still have Ayuk as the wide receiver one for fantasy purposes over Debo Samuel, who will be a solid flex wide receiver three option for you. Kittle's still tight end two for me. That's not a shock to anybody. Uh, when the QB switch is made, though, I'll be curious to see where Lance falls because he's got some rushing ability, he's got some ability to move around. He didn't have many turnover issues in college, but again, the competition is going to be a massive jump from him going from FCS to the NFL. And, and the it's NFC a small sample size. Particular. Yeah, 17 starts. I mean, I mean that's what we're talking about. 17 college starts in the FCS. But he's got a lot of tools to succeed. He might have a lot of growing pains, but that becomes the question too of when do you want to deal with his growing pains versus some of the limitations that Jimmy Garoppolo offers you? Because you didn't make this move that for two years from now. Yes, it's going to help you two years from now, but you also make this move because you kind of expect him to probably finish your season as a starter and give you an added element. I, in redraft leagues, I'm not taking him right now. I, I don't think even with his upside, if you told me he's starting week one, he's in that like top 20 conversation, but we don't know when he's going to start. So in a single quarterback, 12 team redraft league, he's not somebody that's going to be on your radar, but I am really intrigued about the long term.
1: And, and Dynasty, I, I don't know if he's necessarily one of the first names I go to, right? Because I don't think I'm going to take him and just kind of stash him away and wait for him to start, right? In Dynasty Leagues, yeah, you kind of want to get that young quarterback that you can kind of build your team around. But I don't know if it's, if it's Trey Lance, right? I think I'd rather go to Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson first because those sure. two guys do not have any competition in terms of a starter. They are clearly going to be the starter week one. And honestly, Jamie, I think Mac Jones has a better chance of being a starter week one. Same with Justin Fields over well, Trey Lance.
2: If we're talking dynasty, though, we're not just talking this year. Like, if you, if you need year one contributions, yes. to an extent, Well, obviously, I mean, Lawrence and Wilson are starting week one. There's no doubt about that. They're going to play every second of every snap that they're healthy. The question then becomes is I'm also not fully convinced Mac Jones is going to start week one. I think his ceiling is lower than any of the guys that we've talked, the other four quarterbacks that went in round one. So then it becomes the long-term outlook. And the long-term outlook to me is – a quarterback that can execute that is multidimensional in the Kyle Shanahan offense is really intriguing to me. And I think if you asked me to make a five or six year projection, I'm not sure I wouldn't have Lance as the QB two. like in terms of fantasy points, not in terms of necessarily real life value, but in terms of fantasy points, I'm not sure he's not right there neck and neck with Zach Wilson. If we talk long-term Wilson's obviously gonna have a better rookie season just in terms of total volume, but I think Lance is in that conversation because I think that's a more advantageous offense right now with more pieces
1: around them. So Trey Lance goes three to the 49ers. Next pick up the Atlanta Falcons. They take Kyle Pitts. They don't get that quarterback of the future in the first round. They go with somebody that can be an immediate impact that can help them in year one. It's not Penny Sewell. It is Kyle Pitts to the Falcons. And guys, I really like the way this fit works for Atlanta and for the way Arthur Smith likes to run his offense. They still haven't traded Julio Jones, so they're going to throw the ball around a bunch. And I think Kyle Pitts really is going to fit nicely into what they have there. Uh, Jake, I'll start here with you. Do you like this fit? We kind of talked about it a bunch. Not sure what Atlanta was going to do it for. They ultimately do go with Kyle Pitts. Your thoughts on this fit?
3: I really thought they'd trade the pick. But uh, to be honest with you, it scares the crap out of me. And if they had taken Javante Williams in the second and not traded that pick, it would have scared the crap out of me even more. goes along with my analysis for the Cardinals. One way to win in the NFL is to outscore people. Be really, really good on one side of the ball. Their defense still sucks. The rest of their draft was okay. But this Kyle Pitts thing, you can you could argue the point whether it makes Julio expendable or not. They got a lot of dead cap space if they move him. But if Julio's healthy, Calvin Ridley's a beast by himself last year on that offense. You got both tight ends now. Man, you could go 12 personnel with Julio and Calvin Ridley, and then you can move Pitts around. Yeah. I like to pick. It scares the crap out of me from NFC South point of view and from the rest of the league having to deal with that offensively. There's not a lot of linebackers that can cover him. There's not a lot of safeties that can cover him. I thought they'd trade the pick for a bigger haul, but they took him, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this offense looks like.
2: 11.3 fantasy points per game is what the tight end five scored last year. That was the bar to get to that tight end five spot, and that's why I think Kyle Pitts is a top five fantasy tight end right out of the gate. Love that offense. They were top three passing offense last year in terms of volume. Uh, I still expect them to be in that solidly in that top 10 because of the defensive issues that Jake just alluded to that are still a problem for that team. We also don't know, are we going to get 17 games of Julio Jones healthy? Are we going to get 17 games of Julio Jones on the Atlanta Falcons? No, both of those questions are still up in the air right now. Kind of have a weak-ish middle class of the tight end position. There are a lot of names, but nobody that really says, ah, after those top guys go, that you have to get them. That was the biggest thing for me. He's going to go to an offense with a veteran quarterback who's going to throw, who's going to give him a lot of targets. They're going to have to throw a bunch. I love this for a fantasy perspective. Like for me, he's my tight end five right now. Like he's going to get overdrafted in relative to the round. Like I think he'll be drafted at the position fairly in terms of like how many tight ends and when the tight ends come off the board. But in terms of the overall round that he comes off the board, it's probably going to be too rich for my blood in particular. But I think he's he's going to be an instant impact player in the league, instant impact in a position that has a lot of room for people to make an impact for fantasy purposes. I love the fit.
1: Joe Burrow gets his guy, Jamar Chase, wide receiver going to the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and Jamie, you and I talked a little bit about this when we were together in person about what this offense might look like with, with Jamar Chase. Do we now feel Jamar Chase in Cincinnati – is he Has he has he automatically moved himself up to that wide receiver one because of the chemistry that he has with Joe Burrow, because of the way that this offense is, is structured? Do you feel comfortable saying in Cincinnati he's now the wide receiver one?
2: Yes, for the Bengals he is because he can do the most things theoretically. Uh, I like Tyler Boyd a lot. I like T. Higgins as well, and those are going to be unbelievable complementary pieces. But I think he's the wide receiver one there in Cincinnati. And from a fantasy perspective only, because we could talk about the offensive line and, and the issues that they're going to have there and passing on a tackle at that spot. But you have the obviously you have the chemistry you have the connection you're not going to be worried about that. At the time of Joe Burrow's injury last year, the Bengals had the second most passing attempts in the NFL at 41 and a half per game. That defense still has its issues. They're still going to want to run the. They're still going to want to throw the ball a ton. Now again, I don't think they're going to throw it 40 times a game over the course of the season because Joe Burrow will be dead. He will be just dead. So, but there's still going to be a high volume passing offense that is forced to come back late in games. Forced to be that, remember from way back when, that backdoor burrow conversation we had many months ago, that means they're throwing it a bunch. And Jamar Chase is going to get a high target volume. He's got he, I'm just really excited from a pure fantasy perspective. Like to me, this is a from a real life perspective, this feels like appease your franchise quarterback and sell some new jerseys decision. From a fantasy perspective, though, it is a dream. Cause I think he's a top 30 wide receiver coming right out of the gates here in fantasy drafts.
3: Who was my number one rookie player when well, we did this a while back and you boys wanted to jump on me. And I'm telling you that the Bengals are dumb enough to pass on Penny Sewell and take Jamar Chase right there. And they did I agree with everything. Jamie said, he's absolutely wide receiver one there. The chemistry is going to be immediate. The guy can do everything. He can separate. He's big run after the catch, all that stuff. It allows T Tyler Boyd to be in the slot, almost primarily T Higgins play the Y Jamar Chase is pretty much your ex. He's going to be out there doing his thing he's wide receiver one uh be interesting to have, see how they use joe mixon if they do try to run it a little bit more and there's still some time to pick up some veteran offensive linemen that can at least sure up this thing a little bit I, I love it i think he's gonna be a monster player for them i hate the pick they should have taken the yes. offensive lineman, but i love that they got his guy
2: there's one thing i want to mention here because i know we're talking rookies and but there was a, a quote that came out this week that it was music to fantasy managers ears if it happens and that was quote, I don't want Joe Mixon to come off the field. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting for that heavy pass-catching role for Joe Mixon, who has all the skill set to do it. Gio Bernard is now down in Tampa, okay? Samaje P. Ryan and some of the – was it Trayvon Williams? The guys they have there aren't – shouldn't take a healthy Joe Mixon off the field for anything more than he's gassed, give him a couple plays off. Like – If Joe Mixon is healthy, which is shrug emoji, and if he doesn't come off the field, RB1 potential, period, end of story. And if you told me right now we're getting 17 games or even 16 or 17 games from Joe Mixon next year, if you could guarantee me that right now, I'd rank him as an RB1.
3: I hear Angel singing, and then I hear a little bit of a car crash, like in the background. I'm not real sure which one's louder at this point. So let's keep this
1: wide receiver run going here because we have a couple to get to. If oh, also, we just, by the
2: way, before we do that, uh, Jake, I have not forgot about that beer you owe me for Kyle Pitts going. To absolutely. So absolutely. You got next it. time. Next time
1: we meet up. Absolutely. Very good. Good job, Jamie, to remember and get that in there uh, on the show. Okay. We talked about Jamar Chase, wide receiver one in Cincinnati, Jalen Waddle to the Miami Dolphins. They still have Devonta Parker, They sign Will Fuller. Jamie, do you feel that Jalen Waddell is going to be able to carve out, at least in year one, a big enough role in this offense, considering the other pieces that surround Tua right now in Miami?
2: It's a complicated question because of this. He, get, he brings a skill set to the Miami's offense they currently lack. And that way, he should have a role. But his ultimate fantasy value will depend on what version of Tua we see on the field. Because there are, to say he had growing pains last year is being kind. And there's no safety net for him this year. And there's no safety net for fantasy managers. Fitzpatrick's gone. There's not that well of Tua struggles that brig fits in. He'll sling it around, and I'll probably get the value out of my guys. There is no safety net for Miami Dolphins fantasy managers of different positions this year. I like the fit because Waddle brings an element to the team, particularly from the slot that they don't currently have with a a lot of outside guys and like a bigger guy in Devontae Parker. But I do have to have some concern about – the quarterback situation. I like Waddle. Um, I think he's somebody that'll probably, when I end up doing my Wii rankings here, might be in that like wide receiver four-ish range. We start getting outside the top 40 there, but I would say I have more concerns just because I don't know what to expect from Tua.
3: I'm scared. The people I talk to about Waddle love him, but he's definitely not the cheetah. He can't play outside. I think he's going to be primarily a slot guy in, in his career. So I like it enough that what does Tua do good now? RPO slant. Who do you throw it to the most in college and have the most success with? Waddle. I like that. I don't like the fact that Josecki plays in the slot a lot, and they like that. I don't like the fact that they drafted another tight end, and they're going to want to play a lot of 12 personnel. And who's coming off the field? Is it Fuller? Or is it Parker? Or is it Waddle? Probably Waddle. He's the guy playing in the slot. If you bring in another tight end, you're playing 12 personnel. I don't know that he's going to be out there a ton. Because Brian Flores wants to win games, not a piece of damn rookie getting the ball. He don't really care. Uh, I, I don't know, man. A lot of that stuff is adding up to me like it's, it's ended up being a bad destination for him. I, I like the fact that everybody thinks, it's okay, he's back with Tua. He came out and emphatically said, I like Mac Jones better. I think he would have been better off somewhere else that had a really good outside presence and not the 12 personnel that they want to go to. Uh, and I think they're going to be in a lot of really close games. I don't know how much their two-minute drill they're going to push to the half. I don't know how many games they're going to be coming from behind that they're in wide-open shotgun stuff. I think he's going to be limited on his reps, Jamie. I think I'm going to have to look at that when I'm ranking him. It's going to affect all that stuff. Now, those RPO slants, he's still a guy that can make some serious damage happen on two or three a game. So you got to take that into consideration as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a little different than the conversation we just had uh, about Jamar Chase because there are more questions about the quarterback, and I think the, the talent around the quarterback is a little different in these two situations where Jamar Chase can kind of just step into this wide receiver one role, where in Miami, they, they spent money in free agency. They still have an established guy there. It's just a little bit of a different situation, and, and that's why there are these question marks about not the talent of Jalen Waddle, but just how much of an impact he can be uh, in year one. Okay, Speaking of impacts in year one, Devonta Smith going to the Eagles. And Jake's shaking his head, so I'll go here first. But, Jake, I don't know who else Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball to. Can Jalen Hurts throw the ball? That's the worst spot. Fair question. I've De- had this argument with Jamie all the time, so fair question. This is the worst spot
3: for Devonta Smith he could have possibly gone. Jalen Hurts is okay. He can throw it okay. But this ain't the Oklahoma offense where you're throwing to wide-open dudes, and you're throwing a lot of RPO slants. This is the NFL. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm not I, I, I literally like Jamie's shrug emojis. We're like
2: yeah.
3: quoting ourselves on the shrug. I, I think it's a terrible landing spot for him. I love the kid. I, I honestly think he's one of the guys, Marvin Harrison-esque, that could overcome the, the lack of size, the speed, the separation ability, the get off the ball ability, all that stuff is there. The run after the catch ability is there. But all that says timing with the quarterback. I like their draft in places, but I didn't like the trading up to do this. And I hate the landing spot for him.
2: Yeah. I mean that that if you happen to read my pre-draft, like best fits for wide receivers article on the draftnetwork.com, you would notice there was one team that never made the best fits list for any of the prospects despite their wide receiver need, and that was the Eagles. Uh it, it just I love the talent. Um, And like I said, I still have some size concerns that everybody does about, you know, the attrition, not so much in year one, but as we get further into his NFL career, can he sustain all of the hits? Because, look, he spent four years in Alabama's weight room and didn't gain any weight. Like, I don't think there's this big, you know, mass bulk coming for him, even when he gets to the NFL. I I look, I, I don't trust Jalen Hurts as a consistent passer. But again, as I've told you, Chris, that's the fantasy rushing upside is what puts him in that equation. But I don't trust him as a consistent passer. I don't trust that offense as a whole right now. To me, he's gonna be, I feel like Smith is gonna be a guy that can have like three or four spike weeks where he just dominates, has one of those. I know he's been compared to like Deshaun Jackson a lot in terms of like what people want to see in in terms of statistical production. And I could see him having some of those like three for one twenty two touchdown games, but I think his ceiling floor is as massive as any of these rookies for fantasy production in year one. And I think he's gonna be somebody that unless it's in a best ball format. It's going to be a frustrating player to have on your roster in fantasy because you're never going to know when you can trust to play him. You're never going to know when's going to be the right game where he's going to go out there and get you, you know, thirty-five fantasy points. Then you're going to start him and he's going to get you four and a half. And so I, I'm intrigued, but he is somebody that I'm just not going to prioritize in fantasy drafts because I just think he's going to be one of the most polarizing and frustrating players on a weekly to be basis to have on your roster.
1: I love the
3: kid. This is going to hurt me to say. He's almost going to be my, one of my Todd Gurley's of last year. Like, I'm, I'm not touching this situation. I'm not even going to put myself in the frustration capabilities of drafting this kid. If he was in Minnesota, like Jefferson last year, across Madam Thielen, and he becomes the two, and you give him a couple weeks to develop, we have preseason games actually this year. I think he has a very similar season to Justin Jefferson last year, but that is not the situation that he ended up in.
1: So I'm going to open the floor up here and give you guys two names. And, and we kind of mentioned them a little bit earlier in the show. And you guys, if you want to talk about one of them, you want to talk about both of them. It is your decision to make. Justin Fields to the Bears and Mac Jones to the Patriots. Rookie team fits, fantasy related for these two guys. Jake, I'll start with you uh, on these two quarterbacks.
3: My question when the Bears took him was who's, who gave up, who got fleeced the worst, the 49ers or the Bears? The Bears gave up a lot to go do this when you already got Nick Foles is going to be there making money for two more years. You've named Andy Dalton, the starter, he's making solid money this year. I'm not the biggest fields fan. You guys know that. I mean, I think he's solid, but to move up, it felt like a panic move from regime is probably getting fired regardless. Cause I don't think this defense is going to be as good as it's been to hang in there and win enough games to keep them around. And the reason they might get to keep around is because they're going to start a rookie, a lot of pressure being the Chicago quarterback, but when we go back and look at the top 10 Chicago quarterbacks of all time, it ain't the most impressive no. list of all time. He could jump in the top five in a couple of years. It's a decent landing spot for him. Matt Jones, I think is the perfect landing spot for him. And I like what Bill said. Cam Newton's our quarterback until one of these two guys looks good enough in practice to earn the job. I don't think it's going to be that long before Mac Jones earns the job with the weapons that they added in that offense, the pre-snap read capabilities where he gets really his hands on this playbook, I think he's going to have it mastered by the time they get out of training camp. I like that landing spot. Justin Fields, man, it's just uh, he's got a lot of potential. But I think they're going to have the – I think this – this go back to this coaching staff scared. They're going to run this kid enough. I think he's going to get smacked around in the NFL trying to run. This 4-4 speed we're talking about with quarterbacks, it doesn't matter at all. He's not going to develop as a pocket passer like he needs to early on. And I think it's going to hurt his development.
2: Yeah, I look at these two quarterbacks, and not either—I don't think either one of them in a the twelve-team redraft league with single quarterback you're going to go after, even on draft day. I'm not convinced either one of them starts week one. Both have the possibility, no. but I don't think either don't, one of them think are going to start. But I think they're probably both on the field at some point in October, um, just because one—if for just look—the Bears are in a weird spot. The reality is, it's—it's it's, it's a countdown. They know the pressure from this town to get Justin Fields into a game is going to be massive. The pressure for Ryan, uh, for Matt Nagy to save his job is going to be massive. So that is just a ticking time bomb to whenever they're just going to have to make that decision, whether it's the right football decision or not at the time it's going to get made. We know that. Uh, and, and I think at some point what's left of cam Newton is going to force bill Belichick to make the move fairly early in the season as well. Uh, so Both those guys, if you're in a two QB league uh, or super flex league, probably, you know, you're going to draft every starting caliber quarterback that you have in the NFL. And you're going to probably put these guys on your bench to start the year. But in redraft, even for fields, who I know has some rushing ability, he's going to have a lot more hype around him than Mac Jones from fantasy circles. Just not somebody I think neither one of these guys are people I think are relevant for most of you that are playing in single quarterback leagues at home.
1: Let's get back to wide receivers. The Giants trade out of their spot. I believe they are the team that allowed the Bears to just waltz right up to take Justin Fields. They trade back, and it's Kadarius Tony going to the New York Football Giants. Jamie, was was the scratch of your head in reference to me discussing Kadarius Tony, or did you just want to? Was it no, just you were just but scratching your head?
2: The scratch of my head was taking him at twenty, and I like him. He's a fun player, but is he a first-round wide receiver? Urban Meyer thinks so. Joe Judge thinks so. But does the rest of the does the rest of the world think so? Um, this the Giants group of receivers is going to be an incredibly frustrating group to try to figure out. You bring in Kenny Galladay. You have Sterling Shepard. You have Darius Slayton. Now you have Kadarius Tony. You have Evan Ingram. Uh, Saquon Barkley is coming back. What role are any of these guys going to play consistently? And you still have offensive line issues. They didn't take one single offensive lineman in this draft of the New York Giants. You lost Sightler in the offseason. I just, to me, trying to figure out on a weekly basis which one of these guys is going to get you production. Uh, they all do a little bit different things, but it's none of it's going to matter if Daniel Jones is getting hit constantly. I think he's going to be somebody that I think should be on the waiver wires in most leagues to start. Like if you're not in dynasty formats, I, I looked at all the receivers and we, we talked about how deep the class is. I can't put him inside my top 50 or 60 right now. I mean, not, I, yeah, I really think the only see what his role is, right? I really think the only Giants receivers in that spot are I would are Galladay, and then I think towards the back part of that you can start about talking about Sterling Shepard. But I'll, I'll watch and see, and if Galladay still has hip problems going into it, um, you know, to me, I think Darius Slayton is extremely limited. I know he had a couple big games two years ago, and everybody lost their minds, but I still think he's limited in what he can do on that team. I'd much rather have the other. Yeah, I'd much rather have the consistency of Shepard and and the ability of of Kenny Galladay. But I. I don't know what to do with this here. Like, I know he's a fun name from college last year, but I just don't think he's going to be particularly fantasy relevant more often than not, at least in the landing spot right now, given just, we don't fully trust Daniel Jones. We don't trust them to keep him upright. And there are so many other options there too. That's not a great combination. If you want an instant impact player in a redraft league.
3: Yeah. And his role is going to be in the slot because they insist on putting Evan Ingram's hand on the ground, like a true tight end. And he's not, he's going to get beat up by doing that again. I think they're going to move him in the backfield as well. When I, when I had him going to Green Bay at 30 and a bunch of the mocks that I did, it was move him around, put him in motion, motion in the backfield, motion out of the backfield, put him in the slot. All that being said, you have to rank the Eagles right now If we're doing the NFC East as dead last in the division, don't you? Because I think the other three teams could put 35 on anybody on any yeah. given week, the way these offenses are developing. From a fantasy point of view, I agree with Jamie wholeheartedly. Like, this is one jumbled mess, and I'm already on record to saying Saquon will be solid, but he's going to have issues with the knees. He's going to have weeks he doesn't practice. That first year of alpha ACL is is ugly. And this doesn't fit what Joe Judge wants to do. He wants to hit you in the mouth and build it from the trenches. And Dave Getteman doesn't trade back, and he trades back and takes flashy players, not offensive linemen, which were still there. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But, dude, they can put some points up, and the freaking – the Washington football team, we'll get to them. Yeah. Oh, my God, are they going to be able to put some points up? And you know the Dallas Cowboys could put some points up. And you're telling me Jalen Hurts is going to put points up with those other three teams in that division? I don't see it. Yeah, it, it's
2: Probably so- the second worst defense in that division. Yes. Two. Like, if they are right. the worst offense yeah, we, and the second worst defense. Yeah. And only Dallas, who would. Which... Dallas' draft was an adventure. We're not talking about them today, but whoo. It always is.
1: Let's talk about I think the one uh, mock draft selection with team and player that probably everybody got right in their mock draft, (laughs) which was the Steelers taking Najee Harris at twenty-four. And Jake, I'll go to you here first. There are a lot. Go to the guy
3: that didn't have it.
1: There are a lot of question marks as to what the Steelers offense is going to look like. Didn't look great in the second half of last season. They add Najee Harris. Do you think this is the, the perfect kind of back for what they want to do with how they want to structure their offense?
3: He's the perfect back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The pick made zero damn sense because their offensive line is a hot mess to be nice. I used to use the word dumpster fire a lot when I was talking about a city three you know, two and a half hours west of them in Cleveland. Pittsburgh's offensive line is a dumpster fire. I don't know what's going on. You got to replace the center, a Hall of Famer. You got to replace a left tackle who is a icon in that city. The right tackle, the right guard is getting old. I don't care that they drafted the perfect back. Najee Harris is the perfect back for 30 of 32 teams. He does everything. Everybody loved this kid coming out. He's the perfect back for that city. His personality is phenomenal for that city. He's hard-nosed. They're going to fall in love with him by the end of the first preseason game. If they don't already own his jersey, they're all going to own his jersey after that. He's the perfect guy for that. But I don't care. Then how good could he be if the offensive line is that bad? Now, I spent some time with Ben Roethlisberger playing golf not too long ago, and I asked about the elbow. And I was hoping this was going to be the answer. And I'm, this is not breaking news, but Jamie and I talked about this a little bit off the air one day. I was like, I wonder if the elbow is like an ACL. That in year one, you're just trying to get through because you can't really get enough done. In year two, it's fully healthy. And he said, yeah. I gave him that, that explanation. I was like, is that kind of what you're expecting? He said, yeah, he looked great. I'm expecting him to look better than he did last year because at the time it was, it was bad. He couldn't move. I was surprised at how how little he moved around. So we talked about at one point he had to be in the shotgun and they put him in the pistol. Ashley Harris will be fine however you want to do it, but you still got to be able to run it enough for this offense to be good. If it's going to be this dink and dunk stuff they did all over the place last year, which – I still think it kind of is without Randy Fickner, but you bring in Matt Canada, who's the same exact thing. Terminology is all still the same. All that being said, yes, I love Najee Harris and the Steelers, but they got to do something else. And I don't think they have the cap space to grab any of these free agents to fill the holes on this offensive line.
2: Yeah. that That's the biggest thing that's going to hold Najee Harris back from a fantasy perspective too, is that offensive line is, is a disaster. Uh, there's just no way about it. And, well, again, he makes sense. They're spending first round capital on a running back from where I perceive they are in their winning window or lack thereof. And there are other issues on the line is, is a tough pill to swallow. Uh, but look, volume matters. And he's not losing carries to Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane like that. That's as simple as it's going to be. He's going to be there. He's going to be at a tremendous threat in the red zone. Uh, he's going to get a ton of work, and he's going to be very, very relevant. Uh, His ADP was hanging around right around RB20. That's kind of where I have him as well right now. I have to do my updated rankings here this week. But, look, he's going to be somebody that's going to get plenty of opportunities, should have plenty of touchdowns, should get plenty of work, and that's really all that matters to you. I mean, you don't care that the Steelers have other issues. Now, temper expectations a bit because when the offensive line takes a dramatic drop in quality, it doesn't matter how good you are Cough, cough, Ezekiel Elliott. Like, there's just things you have to kind of keep in mind there. There are other components, doesn't matter how good you are. This is a team sport. It's not baseball. Okay. Doesn't matter that you're swinging well and the rest of you guys aren't. Like, it, Najee Harris is going to have to work through some issues on that line, particularly if teams don't respect Ben's deep ball early in the season and they're loading up the box. Like, it's just a factor he's going to have to go through. Doesn't mean I'm avoiding him. I still think he's going to be a player you want to take in that back part of RB2 territory but just something to realize if he starts to get pushed up auctions or pushed up the board that you don't want to panic because there are still more concerns that he might have to face to overcome even with his talent level than some of the other backs that we've seen come in the league in years. So like him a lot, still would take him uh, you know, among that bottom part of RB2 territory, but don't, don't get put in a spot where you feel like you have to start talking about like top 15 running back price for him. Because I think at that yeah. point, you're talk about killing your value, killing your upside. That was the Saquon Barkley argument we've been talking about all offseason and will continue to. Don't do that with Najee Harris here. Because to me, his path <laughs> to being an RB1 is going to be a lot harder than even guys last year that were injuring better situations like Jonathan Taylor.
1: So... If we feel this way about Najee Harris' situation, and, Jamie, to your point, you said there aren't really a lot of opportunities for him to lose uh, those carries to other guys. Can we talk about uh, third down back Travis Etienne for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Hang on. Hang on. Before you – I got one more point on on Harris before we get into this (laughs)
3: because I'm already laughing because when that happened, I literally stabbed myself in the heart for my boy Jamie for James Robinson's future in fantasy. Najee Harris. Think of a few years ago, um, James Conner's really solid year when he stayed yeah. healthy. Okay, Ben dumped it off a lot. They ran it a little bit more. That's kind of the upside. Now you have a much better player than that, much more explosive player than that, a better receiver out of the backfield. Picks up the p- blitz. He's going to be out there a ton. He's going to be out there as much as Le'Veon Bell. But I think your upside is that year from James Conner a few years ago, which was like what RB12. I'm
2: like 13. He was. I'll, I'll he was just, up just, he was.
3: just outside
1: RB1. I think. But I think that's your that's your upside. I will look it up right now
2: one. as you talk about my heartbreaking he Again, third Jackson down. No, no, situation. no. Third
1: down back, Travis Etienne. This is what Urban Meyer said. Third down back, Travis Etienne.
3: First of all, that's the dumbest damn thing he could have possibly said because we all know Travis Etienne is going to be an all three down back, and there's no way in hell James Robinson's out there more than the first month.
1: So can I, can I jump in real quick, Jake, here? It, it, clearly he's saying that because they're trying to tra- trade James Robinson now and he's trying to cover but why can't he just say something like you know hey we're gonna let our guys come in and compete we're gonna give whoever earns the opportunity the chance to win why does he have to go no we feel like we have a nice you know one punch and then we like it's just a weird thing to say like he could have phrased it so much better than he did ego that's why
3: ego and ain't trading James Robinson they're not trading James Robinson for a fifth. He's a solid player. They want, they know how many you got to have to get through a season. Urban's got to win. James Robinson's a piece, but to say that James Robinson is in the category of Travis Etienne is a flat out freaking lie. And when it happened, I literally went, Oh, that was my reaction of stabbing myself in the heart. My boy, Jamie going, damn, we're going to have to redo those rankings. Cause James Robinson is going to be in the abyss of running backs. I think fairly quickly. Travis Etienne is an absolute stud, home run hitter, and your third down back means you're playing the shotgun. They're going to try to run it. We've talked about this. They're going to try to help out Sunshine by running the ball. James Robinson's probably to get ten or twelve carries a game, and then they're going to be losing. And Travis Etienne is going to play the rest of the game in the shotgun with him, and he's going to be a superstar early. I-, I think by by October, I don't I don't think I don't think James Robinson is going to be a thing by Halloween.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm all the way off the Robinson trade now.
1: Like there's just Oh no, all look, the way
3: out.
2: We had heard I had resisted the rumors that like he's eh, not Urban Myers guy, like he'll have a role, but like this you spend a first round pick on Travis Etienne, you have you've clearly made the decision. Like you have clearly made the decision that Robinson's not going to be your bell cow. Whether he's still going to get used and maybe it's a little bit like a you know, like a back half of the year Dolphin situation. We have Salvin Ahmed getting that like 10, 11, 12 carriers or whatever. Then Miles Gaskin coming in on those third down, four minute drills, shotgun situations. But, you know, to me, if you, if you're drafting a Jacksonville Jaguars running back right now, it's ETN. Now it's not the best landing spot for him in year one either, because Robinson is still there. If he lands, if he landed in Atlanta or he went to the Jets or something, we're starting to talk about, You know, oh oh, man, like look at the potential volume there. You know, now he's kind of going to be one of those guys that you take as a flex and kind of hope that he grows into a greater role later in the season. A lot like what we talked about with DeAndre Swift when he got drafted by Detroit last year. Uh, But it's, it's, Jamie, let's
3: talk about the whole quote though. It wasn't just James Robinson. Yeah, it's James Robinson and Carlos Hyde or our first, you know, second down back. So Travis Etienne will be our third down back, right? Isn't that what Urban said? He threw Carlos Hyde out there, his Ohio State boy. I know. Let's jumble it up even more. It's going like to be a it's disaster. the worst spot for Travis Etienne to have landed, I think. He'll be the dude, I think, by October, like I said. I think he'll be the starter. I think he'll be the everything. But Urban's comments were awful. And to throw yeah. Travis Etienne in there with those other two guys and to mention Carlos Hyde in that, it jumbles the whole thing. Up. It does fantasy wise, man. You're gonna be fine. I think ETN is more Jonathan Taylor Swift that you're talking about. We we're expecting last year second half,
2: second half. Grab
3: yeah. him at the right value and hold on to it because I think he's gonna have a especially in PPR. I yeah,
2: mean, look, I mean, the saving grace is the Jaguars still suck. You're gonna have to throw a lot in the second half of the year. Like an ETN's gonna be on the field a ton. Like that that's that's all that matters in the end of the day. So. It hurts more for James Robinson. Obviously, it's not the ideal spot for ETN, at least in year one. You know, it might be by this time next year where we'll probably feel a lot better about ETN and in that fit. But, man, that was just like, oh, God, Urban, like, what are you doing?
1: So before we get to the last guy on this list, I have to ask Jamie a question since we're talking about Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where is Tim Tebow going to slot into your uh, tight end? I'm, end I'm getting off the show. I'm getting off the you? show. We're, we're not, talking, we're, we're, not
3: even going there. It's, it's not funny, Chris. This is a football show. There's not, not, no fantasy baseball relevance here. Uh, no. Nuh-uh.
2: Former Mets outfielder, Tim Tebow. <laughs>
1: so I have known Jake for a long time. I have never seen him that serious in dismissing something that I have said on any of the shows that we have ever done. He is not tolerating a single second of what I am trying to do here. So I will move on before I get <laughs> yelled at. Rashad, Here's why. Here's why. I will address it. Here's why.
3: Tim Tebow, one of the greatest college football players in the history of the game, top five, undisputed should be Bill Bates and Steve Tasker, a borderline hall of fame, NFL, special teams player, should have been a tight end H back and a special teams dynamo for 15 years. Couldn't give up the quarterback thing to be a football player that he still should be playing football. There's no way in hell. He hasn't shouldn't have been playing football for the last nine years in 2012 since he touched the football but he couldn't, he couldn't put the cameras down for following and being a quarterback. He should have been those guys, right? Am I wrong? 245 100%. pounds, playing special teams all over the place, being a football player, being.
2: I'll check tried.
3: Being what he should have been this whole time. But he didn't. And he wouldn't play baseball. Now he's 31 years old. You're going to sign him as a tight end, which he wouldn't do the first time, which he couldn't really do the first time? No, come on, man.
1: Rashad Bateman to the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. This is. I think one of my favorite if not my most favorite fits of all of the guys that we talked about. I love Rashad Bateman in this Baltimore offense because I think the just clear the field. He can be the wide receiver one for Lamar Jackson. He's going to be his he go-to is. guy. He has the skill set to be that guy. I loved this pick. Loved this pick, Jamie.
2: He is the wide receiver one there. Like look Sammy Watkins isn't stealing targets from Eddie. I'm not, we're not doing this with Sammy Watkins again. We're just not. I, I've watched Sammy Watkins his entire career. I don't care what he did in college anymore. I don't care. Like uh, Hollywood Brown, I know he got a lot of targets last year, but is, is a, he's a limited receiver. And that was my mis when he came out. I was a lot higher on him than I thought he could do a lot more. He's still a good player, but he is a complimentary piece. He is not a wide receiver. One, and I expect a lot of his hundred plus targets to go to Rashad Bateman who can win in the middle of the field and no team throws over the middle of the field more than the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I, I just he does a lot of things well. he's a strong route runner. you can play him in the slot, you can play him out wide. he's got a good catch radius. Uh, he's, he's, he fights through tackles. like he's exactly what they need. Now it remains to be seen whether or not this Baltimore offense is currently constructed, can maintain a high level of wide receiver fantasy value. We have not seen it happen yet. We have seen it with the tight ends, with a lot of red zone targets. We've obviously seen it plenty with, with the running back situation, and we've seen it with Lamar Jackson himself. But we haven't seen a consistently fantasy-relevant wide receiver in this offense for a while now. Now, you could also argue that you know you look at the Miles Boykins of the world, you look at some of these other pieces, there that they're not going to be those guys. I am intrigued by Rashad Bateman. He is somebody that I'm going to watch very closely. He's somebody I want to have on my bench coming out of draft if if he doesn't get overdrafted. But I have to acknowledge as much as I love the fit and I love the player and I love the the potential situation in terms of where they want to throw the ball and what Rashad Bateman does well, I also have to acknowledge we don't know what the precedent is for fantasy relevant wide receivers in this offense on a very, very, very heavy run team. What will it look like? So I'm intrigued, but I'm not ready to like run into draft saying I have to come out with Rashad Bateman as much as I like the fit.
3: You guys know, I love the player. The player has a very strong personality that followed him around. I thought it was a little bit high because some of this character stuff was coming out and following him around going into the draft. I love that they took him Lamar Jackson's. And I love the fact that he's going to a really strong leadership locker room. So that personality stuff will get squashed quickly. If he has too big of an ego when he gets there. Lamar Jackson has to develop better outside the numbers for this to matter in fantasy, right? I like their second pick, the kid from, uh, from Oklahoma state as much fantasy wise, I think, you as Bateman early because I think he's got the home run hitting ability that if Lamar's not as good outside the numbers the throw it up ball, the 50, 50 catches, that kid's a stud. He can bring a lot of that down and he's raw. He's got to develop, but in this offense, I think he ends up out there a lot, Jamie. And if Hollywood can go in the slot, and not have to play against press man and move around and they maybe get back outside. I don't think he's going to do a lot of damage inside the numbers. That's not what I'm saying by in the slot, but they can move him. You could go deep down the middle from the slot in Hollywood opens up some of that stuff on the outside that you don't have a safety you know, rolling to the outside. When Lamar tries to throw it up out there, uh, go back to the bad picky through the playoff game. If he gets better outside the numbers, I like both those guys, Rashad Bateman could be an absolute number one for anybody that he goes to he's built like that. He runs like that. The right for the catch stuff's all there. Fantasy wise, early, all the things Jamie said scare me. I like the other kid as much. I mean, I, he's on your waiver wire, but he's one I would pay attention to that if they're gonna open this thing up a little bit, I think that kid's gonna be on the field a bunch.
2: I love your point, Jay, because from a football standpoint, if Lamar Jackson can show with if, if you have like Tyler Wallace on the right, uh, on the far right outside, which is where you play most of the time in Oklahoma State, you have Hollywood yeah. Brown out in the far left and you send them go and you send them down the field, if you can hit on enough of those plays to make teams respect that this completely changes the way Baltimore can operate their offense because right now they don't respect that you have the weapons and the ability to get down the field constantly and having two of those guys there. And then whether it's Andrews over the middle, whether it's Bateman, whether it's Sammy Watkins, no matter what it is there, it changes the way you operate that offense, but we have to see it first. And Lamar Jackson has to be able to hit those at a consistent enough basis for teams to go, okay, we really need to worry about this because right now it it hasn't happened for two years. And part of it has been the pass catching talent as well. It's not all Lamar, but if those things start to click now, the Ravens at least have some pieces to get really creative in the passing game. If that next step is taken by Lamar Jackson.
3: I think it'll be interesting, Jamie, because I why well, you see all these other teams going to more 12 personnel. You saw some teams do it last year. And we we're talking about, you know, a big thing in the draft was more teams going to 12 personnel. I think it's the Ravens that are getting out of more 12 personnel. Now with this draft and these, these guys, these home run hitters, these guys on the outside to go more like 13, and you're going to see three wide receivers with our Andrews on the field who's not really a blocking guy. And if that's the case, now they still want to run the ball. They're still going to run the ball. But now they're doing it against a spread defense, not a defense, as you were saying, that's packing the box because they didn't trust that. Now if they go more 13, they're spreading people out. That could get interesting. man. I mean, if Lamar can develop a little bit, we all like it. But if he can develop a little bit better outside the numbers and they can mm-hmm. still run it against a spread box, holy crap, this offense could be dynamic.
2: That's the next evolution for this offense. We have seen this Greg Roman offense over the last two years, but the league caught up to you. Like the league caught up to all the stuff you were doing last year. And now you have to mix it up a bit. And that's how you mix it up. And I know they love having Nick Boyle on the field. And I know they don't want to take him off a lot. But to me, the next step is is creating that confusion on offense and that confusion on offense is we've got guys that can beat you on the sideline. We've got physical receivers that can go over the middle of the field and a tight end that could do the same. And we've got JK Dobbins in the backfield and Lamar Jackson is a human highlight wheel as a weapon himself you create that confusion. You create that conflict for defenders. And I think that is the next step in this offense because it is completely different than what we have seen from them the last two years and why the Ravens were able to have so much success two years ago is they ran out an offense that people were not ready for. And they did not have the players and the personnel and the time to construct, to stop it. Now they got to kind of, kind of re- I'm not saying that they have to completely restructure everything, but now they have to kind of shift it back. And if you have all those receivers out there and you're moving guys around and moving guys in different spots, and you're still running the ball effectively, I, that's going to be a tough offense to beat.
3: So here's the thing, Jamie. So if they're going to work, they're coming out of a timeout in third and five, they can still do what they've done the last couple of years, which they're going to be in 12 personnel. They're going to try to put a hat on a hat. and Lamar's going to run it and he's going to get you the five yards. Now they might run the same play, but now they're going to roll out in 13 personnel spread out against the, you know, and not put a hat on a hat. It's open, create space. Or can Lamar get to the point where they throw it on third and five. And all those guys can beat man to man. And they feel really good about that space that they've created and somebody gets some separation. That's the difference, right? They can always go back to what they did, but now they can come out of that timeout where you're like, okay, what are they gonna do? And you have two personnel groups on defense going, okay, am I sending in nickel or am I sending in base? Or hell, am I sending in like the big boys? Almost like a goal yeah. line situation if it's you know third and three. That's where they're gonna get people. It's gonna be really, really interesting. I agree with everything you just said.
2: Adding that third element to the RPO, and it's not yep. just is it Dobbins, is it? Is it Lamar going out, out off tackle, or is it Bateman beating somebody off the line? Watkins yeah. beating somebody off the line. Tylan, you know what I mean? Because like, I, I don't think in that situation you're throwing a Tylan Wallace or, or Brown. But, like, can one of those guys win with that first step out of the slot on either side and give you that option on third and, and medium? Because, then again, it opens up everything. And it's going to make – on a per-touch basis, we've already seen how successful that running game can be. It can be even better if teams respect the other elements of that offense. Like, they have the ability to have – literally they have the ability to have it all on offense if everything clicks like you and again it's an if and there's a, you know you're asking a lot of two rookies as well and another step forward for lamar but they can really have it all on offense if everything clicks in that you know hypothetical best case scenario
1: yeah that is going to do it for our list here on the show of rookie team fits. We went through a good portion of them. Didn't get through all of them, but got through a good That's what Wednesdays for Chris of them. That we'll is what get, we'll Wednesday is round, for Jamie. Guys. Yes. We will get to the middle round guys on Wednesday. So before we get out of here, Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B Arians on Twitter. Jake Arians on
3: Instagram. Arians NFL on Instagram.
2: Jamie. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And then. My final thought was thank you all that joined us throughout draft week for our live coverage. We had a lot of stuff, had some tech issues uh, on night one, uh, but beyond that, I think it was very smooth and, and seamless and hopefully you enjoyed all of our coverage and uh, we're going to have team guides for every single one of your favorite teams out there. So keep an eye on the draftnetwork.com. If you want a breakdown of every single draft pick that your team made from our scouting department and how they fit with your team specifically, Make sure you check out the draftnetwork.com over the next week because every single one of the 32 teams will be covered.
1: Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S C H U Radio, and make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. We will get to the middle round guys and their team fits on Wednesday. We will talk to you then.